Okay. How many of you have a memory of fighting with a brother or sister? Do any of you have a particularly interesting one that you would like to share? Yes. Well, I don't know. I mean, so we shot each other BB guns. I've thrown them through walls. Oh, fairly good. Yeah, he cut my ear off with a sword, and I had to put it in negative. But, you know, we did lose things. You did. You might not want to tell all of this to your children. I get that Do you care for your brother now? Do you have any kind of relationship? Oh, yeah, no. He's much stronger, bigger than me. He's younger. So I just have to outrun him. <laughs> but you have some kind of a relationship. Oh yeah, we're we're good friends. Good friends. Another one. Yeah, my older brother um, claims that I was standing too close while he was playing baseball, but really he just hit me in the face with a baseball bat. Oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I just didn't appreciate that my children were as mild as they were. <laughs> um, my father was an only child, and he. Lived, lived down the country, he lived up on the hill, and he had cousins that lived within vision, and they both were families of several children. And I think he always wished for brothers and sisters and felt a little lonely sometimes, maybe even a little envious of those. So the fact that he had my brother and I, he had my brother and me, um, was something he felt wonderful. We had a, a sibling, we weren't lonely. <laughs> But he thought we would relish that so much that we would never bicker and disagree. And every time there was a serious argument, and there were several, my poor daddy would go to bed with her. He would just be sitting. It, it was, he was sure it was bad parenting on his part. And he would, and bless his heart, he would be in the ravages of this awful headache. And my brother and all, we'd moved on. We, we were fine. We were happy again. My mother was the youngest of seven, and she had no illusions about how siblings were supposed to get along. And I tell you this just to say that it's important that you know that sibling rivalry is very normal. And in fact, you do need to develop a little tolerance for it. If you completely squelch it, the value of having a sibling is lost. And there is some real value. There's some really interesting research um, about how um, that sibling process helps teach children some social skills and especially some negotiating skills and, um, and how to fight fair. Um, so sibling rivalry is normal and it is not a sign of bad parenting. Let me give you some interesting statistics. Observing siblings in the three to seven age range there was an average of 3.5 conflicts per hour. <laughs> Observing siblings in a age range of two to four, and it jumped to 6.3 per hour. So maybe yours are not abnormal, even though it seems like they're bickering all the time. Okay, remember that children learn things from interacting with their siblings. It's hard to learn any other way. I don't mean to say that only children can't learn these things, uh, but you've kind of got a really nice place to learn these things in a sibling situation. And the thing they especially need to learn is how to fight fair and negotiate, okay? Okay.
but we don't particularly like it, do we? It's not fun. It's not something that you get up in the morning and go, I just can't wait to hear my kids bicker today. Okay, let's go to the next one. All right, I'm going to suggest that you're aware of your family composition and the specific di dynamics. Uh, look at the number of children that have the gender, the ages and personal, uh, personality patterns of your children, especially special needs of your, anybody. And special needs is not just um, special needs in the more traditional, but sometimes children have special needs for a time. Something is going on in their life that they are, for whatever reason, more vulnerable or more anxious about, and, and that's something that I think you can um, com contemplate too. Uh, I do. I think the dynamic between two brothers is often different than between two sisters. Something interesting I've noticed with our girls who were four and two, uh, when Annabelle, my oldest, was born, obviously she didn't have a sibling, so it was a lot more interaction into how does she learn and observe and negotiate. And now my youngest, Abby, who's just turned two, Annabelle is teaching her those tactics that she learned from us. Yes. So we're not doing as much direct teaching to the yes. younger child. Yes, and that's a really good thing. That's a really good thing. Now, that can go the other way um, in, in the sense that there is some research about how children, especially an older sibling, can teach a younger sibling negative behaviors. But yes, that can, and that's, that's more of a risk, I think, in terms of adolescence. Come on in, we're fine. Um, and there's seats, I, I won't bite anybody on the front seat. Um, some children are very take charge and others are just by their own personality are more passive and so you kind of have to weigh that as you look at that conflict between them. Um, some children are very empathetic and some children are very purposeful. They know what they want and they are ready to go get it. And all, none of those are good bads. That's who they are. But you do kind of have to weigh all that. I remember going to a senior parenting conference or something when my two oldest were little, and the advice from that was, you know, you don't ever intervene, you send them to a room, and they have to totally work it out by themselves, and, and that apparently had worked, I guess, to some extent for this particular couple, that their children learned how to negotiate and how to work it out, and it always worked, and, and so I thought, okay, this is the way I'm supposed to do it, and when I did that to some extent with my oldest two, my oldest, is um, much more agreeable, much more willing to give in. Um, and the second one's not. Like, he will fight to the death for what he wants. And so, I, I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I realized what this is now teaching them, if I totally leave it up to them, is teaching the youngest, I just get what I want every time because I'm just dogmatic about it. It's teaching the oldest, he never got what he wanted because he was willing to give up what he wanted and needed for a solution, and I didn't feel like that was good for either one of them. Um, so I would also say just weigh advice based on some of these things. Oh, and please, anything that's been said this entire semester, weigh that way. If it doesn't fit for you, throw it out. I do not proclaim an oracle from God on any of these issues, okay? <laughs> I really don't. And so I, I have thrown out some advice that worked for other people, but didn't. Um, I do think you've got to consider those things and you've got to weigh that. And a little bit later, it's easy for a child in a family to become a bully, especially if he's got very passive, non-aggressive siblings. And it is as unhealthy for the bully as it is for the child who is bullied. Because I have to teach, I don't think Will is being bullied, but I do have to teach him, it is okay for you to stand up for yourself sometimes. And like, 
while it is good and right to be giving, it's also good and right at times to figure out a solution that's mutually yes. beneficial. Yes, yes, yes. These are life skills. Um, okay, let's look at the next one then. Okay. At the root of some sibling rivalry is the assumption that no child's getting enough attention. I read a book recently that talks about a culture of not enough, a culture of scarcity. <laughs> and I just do think this is a little bit inherent. Uh, every child wants more attention than they get. Uh, and frankly, if they got all the attention they wanted, that it might not be even healthy. Um, I do think it's important, though, to have some one-on-one -on -one time with a child. And again, it, your schedule is not going to allow big blocks of that. For us, it kind of worked out well at bedtime, and I think I've told you that Fletcher especially had a routine of going from one child to another, and if he got so distracted and stayed too long with one and the next one had already gone to sleep, then he started with that one the next night and they got extra time. Um, but I, I do think some kind of unshared parent time again it doesn't we're not talking about big moments but little moments and I know your lives are busy but it's also all right to seize the moment I um I, I know a, a family with five children and this has been many years ago but the, the father was a Lipscomb professor and he preached at a little country church on Sundays and and drive out and um it, it was a long drive and, and he kind of talked about you know seem so much time but his children have wonderful memories because he often took one child with him and they have wonderful memories of the long ride with their dad to preach and, and so again I just you know seize the moment maybe it's saying why don't you come with me while I go to the grocery store and take those few minutes okay um one of my favorite you never have enough um, and I made a note of this. The firstborn child is the one that more likely feels that you're not giving them their fair share because they had all of your time to begin with and now they're having to share. Uh, one of my memories, a friend was telling me there was a new baby and I think this was the third or fourth and but there's another child close to that, and he obviously did not like his time with parents being infringed with. And after the baby had been home a few days, he said, could we put it in the refrigerator? He just he was done with the time that this baby was taking. Um, Gail, yes. sorry to keep talking. Oh, please so don't. I, I apologize. I, just a quick question. Personally, I feel pretty guilty over the amount of time I spent with my oldest versus my youngest. I don't spend hardly as much time, and obviously it's a circumstance of siblings and interaction, but is that a common feeling that we're not giving enough? I to think our it's very children? common among conscientious parents, but I, I'm going to be really blunt. I think Satan will work really hard to discourage you as their parents. And no, you can't give the same time to two children that you gave to one. And if mommy gets sick, then you can't give as much time as you've been giving because life is giving you some different circumstances. And I'm going to urge you to be the best parent you can be, but guilt sucks the energy from you, and I think Satan will do his best to suck it out of you. And so be really careful what you feel guilty about, okay? If, 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 I think we often beat ourselves up over things that we're doing the best we can. And if I can be a little voice at you periodically, this is, I'm doing the best I can. 
And that's all God's going to ask of me. And no, it won't be the same. It will never be. And you can't give to the fourth child the attention she gave to the first one. It can't happen. And so if you label being a good parent is giving the amount of time that I gave to this first one, I, I remember being shocked um, talking to some mothers when I had one in kindergarten and she said I will never let my child go on a field trip if I don't go and I thought oh my goodness I'd never thought about labeling a good mother as the mother that always went on the field trip well I know now the good mother doesn't always go on the field trip because it's really good for the child to go on the field trip without mothers sometimes but again, that second guessing, oh dear, is this, so be careful how you label. Be, be gracious to yourself. I'm glad you asked. I would say, I feel that guilt a lot. Um, and I, because mom sometimes like just doesn't do guilt and I do it really well. Um, <laughs> but I do think Del Wilcher told me several years ago, um, when, I, when I felt that I was like, there's no way I can give Jerry this attention or even Claire or it, I just couldn't do it. And she was like, no, you can't, but he's getting benefits that your others didn't get. And just like you talked about in Ruth with Annabelle modeling to Abby, Drew is getting three that are pouring into him that Will never got. Um, now, on my good days, I can believe that and go with that and see that that's really beautiful. On my bad days, I have to have the reminder of that. But I do think they're, and I'm seeing that even more as Drew, I'm like, you have no idea how much we lost, but you have these older ones that love you and are teaching you that Will never got. Okay, parents' role in, oh, control is often uh, a root issue. And again, they've got to learn that. Most of us would like to control our world. And so it is a learning process to ha figure that out. Okay, let's go to the next one. Okay, what's our role? Don't intervene too quickly. There is going to be a time to intervene, and we're going to have, I would have intervened with the BB guns. I'm sorry, I couldn't have done the BB guns. Um, I think that was hidden. <laughs> um, but, but don't do it quick. And when you intervene, don't own it. I, in my good, and again, I'm painting an ideal up here. I'm not saying I got there every time or, or that you will get there every time. But in an ideal world, I would say, it sounds like you have a problem. Okay, it's not my problem, it's their problem. Um, but if you intervene too soon, you're always gonna be fixing it. And your ultimate goal is for them to fix it, for them to figure out, for them to learn to negotiate. Okay, but do intervene when the balance of power or strength is so uneven that harm, and that includes emotional harm. And when I say balance of power or strength, I'm also talking about sophistication. I'm talking about the child, that not, the, especially the older child, that can read that younger child and figure out how to get all that they want and more. Um, that's not healthy for either one. That's not healthy for the one that's getting more than their share. I mean, that's as important as the one that's not getting their share. It's as important that Cole know he can't just ramrod what he wants over Will in the same way that Will's got to learn learn to stand up for himself. Does that make sense? So level of sophistication is, is big here. Preserve life, avoid harm. Years ago, I may have told you this, I, I forget what I tell which group. Um, some of us were kind of wrestling with the violence of Sunday morning cartoons and not sure we wanted our young <laughs> children to watch those. And I remember Bernie Arnold saying, 
Honey, if they're not pornographic, just let them watch. <laughs> and I think there's some truth in that. If there is blood or harm, then I think you've got to intervene. That's not good for anybody, okay? Um, okay, model calm, insist on a cooling off period, and then teach and coach mediation skills. Okay, what would some of those mediation skills look like? How do you teach your kids to mediate? Yes? Identify the issue. Okay. Help them to identify. Okay, okay, it is. We want them to identify. So your role, I think, is to get things calmed down. Um, I love at the daycare center, I'll, I'll walk by and I'll hear teachers say, use your words, use your words, we don't hit, use your words. That's at a very early level. At a later level, it's use your words to describe the problem. We're not using words to attack somebody else, okay? So you're gonna set up the framework <clears throat> for how they can negotiate. Now, I was principal at elementary school for 17 years, and I learned a whole lot about helping children. Uh, I, have, not, see, I have a lot of experience in trying to help children figure out how to get along. And I'll tell you some techniques that work for me, and give or take. In that setting, because by the time they're sent to my office, it's usually escalated. It's usually more than just a little bit. Um, and frankly, for many of them, not all, but for many of them, they are mortified. They've never been sent to the principal's office before. They never thought they would be sent to the principal's office before. They are scared to death and they just want this all to go away. <laughs> and the easiest way for it to go away is to say, I didn't do it. And so I learned to start with acknowledging, I know that you're a good kid. I know that you don't, you didn't want to be here. I bet there's some things that you would like to change, that if you could go back, there might be some decisions you would make differently. And right now, I bet it's pretty tempting to tell me what you wish had happened and maybe not what really happened. I wanted to set it up to make it as easy as possible for them to tell the truth. Truth is a really big deal to me. And in some kind of major confrontation, I wanted to reinforce that. And then we gotta have everybody's story. And so part of the negotiations, the mediation, is to hear each other. And sometimes that's very difficult. If they're not ready to listen to each other respectfully, you need more cooling off. We need to delay this, you need to go to your room. And again, this is gonna be very different for two and three year olds than it is gonna be for eight and 10 year olds, okay? Okay, let's go to the next line. All right, I liked the concepts of instigator and escalation. I cannot tell you how many children learned about escalators in my office, about what escalation is. Because the reality of it is, a child comes in and says, well, he walked my, my desk and pushed my books off. And yes, I went to his desk and pushed his books off. And he thinks that's what happened. That's what he saw happen. But the other child says, Maybe that's what we want. Do, do, do you see where we're going? 
have a vivid memory of a child in that specific situation. One said, you push my books off? He was in third grade, third grade. He said, sorry. He said, yeah. And I remember when you did that, that back at pre-first. That was four years ago. What did, no, what does that tell me about that child? He has a hard time letting go of a grudge. And he did, with very good reason. His life circumstances had made it really easy for him to go So does the child that, and maybe he truly did accidentally, or accidentally is a very broadly used word in the principal's office. <laughs> um, so maybe he did it accidentally, or maybe he didn't. So what responsibility is he? And it's and on a good day, instead of saying, well, you should have apologized, it's so much more effective to say, hmm, what could you have Especially now that you know what he thought, maybe what, was there something you wished you'd done? Do you see where I'm going with this? Does it always work as well as what I'm portraying? Absolutely not. I would say in marital conflict, um, a healthy level of these sorts of conversations in front of your children are very important. Oh, yes. And you know, we have and are in the process of still learning how to express what we're actually thinking because we assume the other person is in a certain place and it leads to down a road of potential escalation that's not even there. Oh, oh, you're so right. And that's part of the reason that these kinds of experiences are so important for your children because this is how they're going to negotiate with, with a spouse. This is how they're going to negotiate in a job. This is, these are life skills. So this isn't just something you got to get through. This is that teaching moment. Okay. Um, now, what I'm describing is a lengthy, time-consuming process. You're in the car. You're late to work. You don't have time for this. And so sometimes it's okay to say, all right, we're not discussing that issue anymore. Um, we're not talking about this anymore. And somebody say, but, 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 no, 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 no. I have decreed. We are not talking about this right now. Maybe we'll talk about it. That's okay. It's all right to say, I'm so sorry, but the toy is going in timeout. It's, it, there's a problem with this toy, and so right now the toy is going in timeout. Now, I, don't be ugly about that, but it's okay <coughs> just to say, this is the way it's going to be. Because, frankly, you don't have time for every teachable moment. But I hope you will embrace some of those teachable moments. Oh, clear feelings between, distinction between feelings and action. This is, I don't want guilt. Right now, I am ready to go in my brother's room and put all of his toys in the trash can. I am so mad at him. It's fine to say, I know you are really mad at your brother. And if you do, honestly, I understand why you're so mad at your brother. What he did would have made me mad too. I get that. But we still are not going to hit it. Just to see. But if you say, I want you just to love your brother, I don't know why you can't be kind to your brother. Mm, I, I would, yes, I feel that, but I would be very, very careful with that. Questions? Okay. Um. I don't want a big discussion about this. I, I'll just throw it out. 
I decided, because I value honesty so highly, that I would never make my children say they were sorry. My own children have made different decisions with their children. I don't think there's a right or wrong, but I will caution you about demanding that your child say something that is nowhere near where they are. I think it's very fine to say, you know, to have a discussion where you acknowledge that this is not the rule, or this is not the way we do in our family, or whatever, but I personally did not feel comfortable saying to a child, you will say you're sorry. I might say you will go and repair the damage and put up all the toys that you flung on the floor, or that sort of thing, but I, when it comes to, that's just my own personal bias. Do you want to rebut that? Am I told that I thought you were. Oh, okay. There's another. Oh, there's. And I'll tell you the other issue. I decided that I would allow my child to say, "I hate you." And I think, are you the one that says that you? Were, but, well, I don't know that you all ever did that. But I, 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 I'm real big on honest and respectful. And that's where I hate you gets. Maybe that's not respectful. But I do think at the moment that sometimes children do hate you. And I, anyway, no, another subject. Okay, let's go to the next one. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, well. Uh, Go ahead. No, I, uh, in the mediation trainings we do and negotiation, we have a phrase that we say. Oh, you ought to be teaching this class. You all know. You don't want to let me No, I don't. No, I don't. Anyway, <laughs> we have a class, we have a phrase where you don't short-circuit the process. And what I, what I think I hear you saying is when you make a child say, I'm sorry, without dealing with all the things that get there, you're short-circuiting the process just so you feel better. Kids say, sorry, we move on. Yeah, well, I think that's exactly right. I think that's exactly right. Yes, yes. And I will ca caution you about being careful that what, you, what they come up with, what the solution is, may not seem at all fair and equitable to you. But if they are truly okay with it, you might want to live with that. Again, the, the issue that Amy raised, where you've got one that's very inclined to accommodate um, and bright children are going to manipulate that's just what we're wired to do so I, I was with the grandchildren in Texas a couple of weeks ago and they were playing a game a board game one of them loves that board game a lot more than the other one so when conflict came to say we're going to stop the game the one that loves the game will do most anything to give in, to accommodate. So we've got a little bit of a mismatch here. And will her brother exploit that? Of course, of course. That's what they're gonna do. So at some point I've got to decide how much I'm willing to step in, how much I'm willing to let this play out. Generally, I think, again, with no physical or emotional harm, I think you want to play out. And let me go to that emotional harm. Because your children know each other well, it's just like a husband and wife. We know what hurts the other one. And I might be afraid of the BB guns, but I'm also very afraid of real ugly put down. I remember in the mall several years ago, walking in front of a 
probably 10-year-old boy and 14-year-old sister. And I thought her abusive, not vulgar, but just put down, put down, put down of that child was just emotionally, it was distressing for me to hear and I'd never seen either one of them before in my life. So family needs to be a safe place. We can say, I'm mad at you, what you did was wrong, but you don't. <coughs> we work toward not having the low blow. And I, this is a place where I think it's great to say, in our family, we don't do this. Now that doesn't mean your child won't do it sometimes, but it means this is an unacceptable behavior in our family. It doesn't, it's not our family standard. Okay, next one. From another book, I liked her, um, be careful about uh, dismissing negative feelings. Yes, they're mad. Yes, they don't like it. They're um, new baby, want to put them in the refrigerator. That's, that's how he feels, okay? Next one, uh, give children in fantasy what they don't have in reality. I love this one. I've never thought about this. It means when the child wants more of your attention and you can't give it, you can say, yeah. He can, Mommy, read me a book. Oh, I wish I wouldn't that be fun if we could just sit down and read Good Night, Good Night Construction Site? That is your favorite, isn't it? That doesn't mean you can do it right then, but you are acknowledging that you wish you could do it too. Um, channel hostile feelings and symbolic or creative. Sometimes drawing a picture of how mad I am is helpful. Last one. Um, show angry, how angry feelings can be discharged safely. Um, my son was prone to anger sometimes. Most of the time, pretty mellow, but boy, he had a button, and you punched that button. And I, I remember saying, you know, go in your room and bang on that pillow. Bang as long as you want to. You may throw the pillow on the bed, you may, you know, these are things, you, because physical exertion often helps children with, with intense emotion. Um, I have a child at school that had a lot to be angry about and when it would bubble up, he could ask permission to go outside and run. Obviously somebody, we had to work it out for somebody to go supervise that, but that was a way to work it out. Okay. Um, I'm going to skip over, skip over to the one that says <laughs> develop routines. Keep going. Yeah. I think you can do some things to help the rivalry. Get some things in place. I, I mentioned a family that I love dearly, and they argue about who's going to sit in which seat in the car. Just have a rotating thing. Um, the first week of the month, so-and-so sits here, and we rotate around. Or um, I think I mentioned that, <laughs> this is so funny, <laughs> my older daughter's family, they, have, they take turns um, deciding the prayer. They kind of have a very brief family devotion. And there is enough rivalry about who's going to do what that they have this elaborate system that says tonight is Caleb's night so he can decide what order they pray in. And, you know, we're praying and we have to have an order to get along. There's something a little bit wrong with that, but it works. Debbie? Did any of y'all grow up in homes where you call a shotgun? Oh, yes. Raising my kids, raising my husband, okay, um, we would be in parking lots 
screaming shotgun at, you know, in public places. And people got, thought that my husband had a shotgun. shotgun in his car all the time. <laughs> so be careful what code, one of my daughters uses a code word for when it's time to open the car doors. Those little traditions and those things stick. My daughter, bless her heart, she has a four, three, a baby that died, and a newborn, okay, with a compact car in Pennsylvania. I just spent three weeks up there. Yeah. Well, de developing that routine can just solve some issues. You just don't have to debate them every time. Um, be careful about having kids compete. Um, I really, my kids love playing games, my grandchildren do. And if it's a game where you can give a handicap, because that six-year-old's not gonna compete successfully with the 12-year-old, or do teams, I just think you don't want to encourage, I personally didn't want to encourage too much competition. Um, and involve your child in celebrating the other child. Um, I skipped a slide that talked about comparisons. I'd be really careful, even about making positive comparisons, because that says that we still have to do it ex exactly that way. So I, I you know, it, it, enjoy the moment. It's wonderful when your children choose some different activities, but because they all come from the same gene pool, they may well be bent toward very similar things, and. It's really hard if one is very, very successful in this and one is not. And so you, you've got to be at least aware of, of the pressure that comes. Right, one more. This one is random. This is one I didn't get to last week that I do feel pretty strongly about. Just like you protect your child from physical <coughs> harm, I'm going to encourage you to be aware of protecting your child from subjects and concerns that are not age appropriate. I think the world you live in has no boundaries. I'm talking about the big world, the big culture has no boundaries for the innocence of children. And don't assume that people that you know and love well, and even people that you go to church with, are going to be on the same page you are. And, and I, in terms of movies and TV and just general subject matter. I would love for us to be in a church culture that when your child goes home with somebody or is invited to a slumber party, if it's not someone that you know really well, that you're comfortable saying, can you come tell me, you know, what are you planning? Uh, are, are you going to do movies? It's fun for you. You're, it's not your place to say, well, you can only do G movies, G rated movies. But it is fun to say, you know, I, you do what you want to do, but I just don't feel real good. I'm not ready for my child to see such and such. At Lipscomb, which is a wonderful Christian school, I was sometimes appalled at the movies children were allowed to see. So I just think, I just think it's legitimate for you to make the decisions on what you want to do. Yes, so, so, so we're in this boat right now with my nine and a half year old son. We have a neighbor who um, has been allowed to watch Breaking Bad, which is crazy. And um, she has been sharing a lot of really interesting concepts with my nine and a half year old. 
and I don't really know how to, we've had lots of conversations about who's not allowed to go to Amazon about me and things like that, but I don't know how to um, explain to him without, I, I don't want to, I don't want him to think that this child is a bad child or, so I'm having a hard time explaining that is hard. why <coughs> it's not okay. I love the concept of family daddy. Our family daddy means that we don't watch that kind of movies. Or our family daddy says that those are things that we don't need to be ready for. And one of these days we'll have these discussions. We don't need to quite ready for that yet. Um, you don't have to say that other people or that she's, they make different decisions. That this is the decision that we make for our family because we've heard about this decision. That's not easy and it still puts him in an awful place. But I think that's about the best you can do. Okay. Um, this is the last week that I will be with you. Amy and I both are, we do a kind of a big family, not a big trip, but a big family. All 17 of us will vacation next week. Uh, maybe we need some prayers that we are able to <laughs> But um, I hope you will come back. It will be, it will be, I think, one of your very favorite weeks. Um, you've heard a lot from this gender, and next week it's all male. Two elders and one former elder are coming to be a panel discussion for you. And I've used them before, and they're wonderful. And you will be blessed by their vantage point. They all have grandchildren. They all have grandchildren. And so they're on a different stage of life than you're in, and I think you'll love uh, what they're going to have to say. But because I'm not going to be back next week, there are a couple things I want to remind you of. If you have heard anything, there are three things I'd like for you to have heard from me. That there are lots of teachable moments. Know that you can't grab all of them, but grab what you can. Secondly, I'd like for you to remember that balance is critical. Avoid the real extremes. Now there's balance, I think middle ground is pretty broad. You may be here and somebody else here. It's the way over here or the way over there that I think you need to be cautious about. And lastly, I want you to regularly remind yourself that you are not alone on this journey. And there's a scripture to pop up. And then there'll be some others. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave to fear, but you receive the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. This is one of my very favorite passages. Click again. That means that God loves us even more than we love our children. And he loves your children even more than you love your children. God's with us who can be against us in all things when living conquerors through him that loved us. I'm convinced that neither death nor angels nor demons nor present or future or powers or height or depth or anything else can separate us from the love of God. He's in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's always with us. You don't walk this path alone. And last, to whom is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine, I love that word, according to his power that's within us, to him be glory in the church, Jesus, the generations, and he is all powerful. Um, 
One of my fears in this class is that I presented a really nice review, and I have, because I think it's worth it. But don't let that be a burden. Don't think it's possible. We're not going to all be there all the time, and God's going to redeem it. Um, and so I pray over you.